Welcome to the Jesus, Me, and Anxiety podcast, where you can love Jesus and still not be okay every day. I'm your host, Cassie, and I'll be sharing way too personal parts of my journey with anxiety and panic attacks, hoping that together we can find ways to feel free, even if there are a million reasons to feel anxious. Welcome back to Jesus, Me, and Anxiety. This is our seventh episode. I'm so glad that you're here. I actually have been wanting to do this episode for like two weeks now, and I have just been in the middle of this massive voiceover project and have not been able to do a podcast. So, so much for it being a weekly thing. I have already on episode seven (laughs) failed at that, but I have no remorse because to try to squeeze it in is so much worse than just allowing it to happen and it being a natural part of my life. So this is a very natural thing to me. I don't ever want it to be like staged just because I need to get an episode out every week, if that makes sense. So, I mean, it could happen again. It's basically what I'm saying. I'm so glad that people are listening, though. Um, We're almost at the 500 download mark, which is so cool. I really was like, okay, God, I will do this even if one person's listening to every episode. But it's really cool to see that people are actually listening and that it's resonating with you and that there are just so many people out there like me. You know how you're just like doing your own thing and you're like, I'm the only person that deals with this or I'm the only person that feels this way. And then you start a podcast and you realize there are like tons of people who go through exactly what you go through on a daily, a weekly basis. And it's just so cool to be connected to you all. So thanks for being a part of this family. I, like I said, just finished this massive voiceover project. And before you think I'm like really cool because I do voiceovers, um, I've had a couple of people reach out to me and say, oh, oh my goodness, that's so cool. Like, how did you get into that? That's so cool. Like, you're so creative and awesome. Um, Yeah, I sit in my closet (laughs) and I think it's hilarious when I'm doing it because first of all, when you're doing a voiceover, you're like talking to nothing, right? So it's not like acting when you're on stage with other people and you're doing scenes and you're interacting with people for an audience, you know, you like when we did musicals and things like that. But when you're doing a voiceover, you're recording it by yourself and I've done some narration. So I just finished a a narration for a like storybook. So it was basically 14 folk tales that are going on like this audio app thing for kids, which is really, it really is a cool project. But I had to do like these different characters for some of the stories. And when you're just interacting with yourself in your closet that you kind of made into a studio, it's hilarious. Like I would get cracked up all the time and just like, but there's nobody else around to laugh with me. So anyways, I don't feel really cool when I'm doing it. I feel really silly talking to my makeshift studio and no one really interacting with me, but it is what it is. It's helping us during this whole COVID-19 thing. We, I had some hours kind of be cut back because of COVID-19 and, you know, things are just kind of up in the air for everybody. So this has been a way to supplement our income and just give us some projects to do while we're at home a lot more. So. We are super thankful, and I appreciate your patience in waiting for me to come out with more podcasts <laughs> during this whole process. But I wanted to I wanted to finally get this out because this has been in my journal for two weeks now, um, 
it's a, I kind of had, I do like my devotions usually early, early in the morning or late at night. And by doing my devotions, again, don't think that I'm like this really amazing person who's doing it every morning in the wee hours of the morning or every night. I'm saying when I do it, (laughs) it's either in the morning or late at night. I would love to say that I do it every single morning at the same time. That has not happened for me in a long time. I have four kids, as you guys probably know by now, and I have this little toddler who has major eczema problems and he does not sleep through the night. He still doesn't. It's been three years. But on nights where he's up like four times with his eczema, I do not get up at 5 a.m. to do my morning time, um, but I try to do it at night. So when I do my time with the Lord, I do it when the kids are in bed. I've, I've tried to do it when everybody's awake, and we do family stuff together, but I really just need to be alone with my Bible and my journal to feel like I can really connect to God. I don't know if anybody else feels like that, but during one of my early morning times with the Lord, I was just reading through a psalm. I love to read through psalms because I feel like there's always something there. Like even if I'm reading in like the Old Testament and there's like this really boring part that I'm like, God, what are you saying? Are you there? What does this even mean? Um, Then I can read a psalm after that and be like, okay, I can like at least glean something. So I was reading a psalm and it, it reminded me of a time like that was like the lowest point of my time with anxiety. And I felt like God was saying a lot of people might be at this point right now during COVID-19, Corona, whatever you want to call it, that Rona. That's how people in South Carolina have been addressing it. Probably Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina. I don't know. Something about the South. We like, we like to like do stuff like that, you know, like that Rona, I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, if you don't live in the South and you haven't called it that Rona, um, I'm so sorry if you think that that means I'm belittling it. I'm not belittling it at all. I'm just saying that's how we say it. But anyways, that was a really random rabbit trail. But during COVID-19, Rona, whatever you call it, there's probably a lot of people that are dealing with their lowest point of anxiety and maybe even panic attacks for the first time, because there is just so much to fear or so much to think about, especially now. Um, Things around us are starting to open back up and people are trying to decide, oh my goodness, should I go out? And if any of your anxiety, panic disorders also include hypochondria, you are just in this anxiety bubble. And I've been there, which is why I want to tell you a little bit about what I've been through with it, and how I kind of have come out of the lowest part. Because I'm in a part of my journey with anxiety and panic attacks and things like that, where I really do feel like I'm on the other side of a really low point right now. Now, that doesn't mean that I won't ever go through a low point again, but I'm on a higher point right now because I am able to control it better than I ever have been before. And this scripture right here is a really big part of why. And I came across it a couple weeks ago. So let me read it before I just keep talking for no reason. Okay, so it's in Psalms 90 or Psalm 90. There really isn't an S at the end of Psalm, but everyone always says Psalms. I don't know why. So Psalms 90 or Psalm 90, verse 12, it says, Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. Brevity, if you don't know what that word means, is actually talking about like a short 
amount of time. So this could be read, if you're using the, the definition, teach us to realize the shortness of life or the short time of life so that we may grow in wisdom. The reason that this scripture really stood out to me in my quiet time is because it reminded me of when I really read it for the first time. You know how you read like scriptures, or at least I do. I'll read a scripture like my whole life and then one day I'll really read it. And like all of a sudden it has like a significant point in my life, a significant meaning, and then I can never forget it. That's what happened with this verse with me during like a really low point with anxiety because life is very short when you think about it. And I'm sure you probably, if you're a Christian, you probably have heard the whole analogy of like, you know, our life here on earth is like this tiny little part of our actual lives. And then our eternity is like so big. I remember a youth pastor holding up one time like a piece of rope or something. And he had marked off like an inch of the rope. And that was like to represent our earthly time. And then the other like eight feet of the rope was like eternity. And he was trying to like really drill it in our heads that this part of our life is very short, but it is very meaningful for eternity. So in other words, what we do in this tiny little part of our life really ends up dictating what happens with our eternity. So the choices that we make, the decision we make to accept Jesus or to not can really affect our eternity, right? So for me, when I first read that dealing with anxiety, I was like, okay, this whole anxiety and panic and at that point in my life, I mean, I'm talking about panic attacks that were just ridiculous. This is the point in my life. If you heard me reference it before, I'm sorry. This is the point in my life where I was like literally taken from our apartment that we lived in, in an ambulance to the hospital because I thought I was having a heart attack. This is a crazy kind of panic attack where my heart was beating. I remember I got in the ambulance and the the nurse or what? No, it's not a nurse. Y'all, I don't know a lot of things. You know the person that's in the ambulance, like the paramedic, that's the word, I think. If it's not, excuse me. But the paramedic person was like, dude, he probably didn't say that, but your heart rate is so high that most people are having a heart attack when their heart rate is this high. So like, is your chest hurting? Like, are you, you know, short of breath? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And he goes, okay, I'm so confused because, and I don't know how young he was. Maybe he was like not thinking panic attack, but he was like, this doesn't make sense because you're like not having a heart attack, but you should be like, you should be unconscious at this point. And I was like, oh, great. Well, now I'm feeling even more anxious because now I'm scared that my heart is literally going to stop beating. So thank you for sharing. Um, But anyways, long story short, this time of my life, I was having that kind of panic attack on a weekly, if not daily basis. After that one trip to the hospital, I did stop having Bond call 911. And I did realize after they did a million tests that my heart was actually okay, for now at least, (laughs) Um, and that there was really nothing wrong with me. You know, they did blood work, they did all these things medically. Because when you start having anxiety and panic attacks, you really are likely to think that there's something physically wrong with you because your physical body can react in a way that is a heart attack or is stroke-like or can make you think that you're anemic because you could literally pass out from a panic attack. So at this point, I was literally avoiding everyone and everything. I did not want to be 
in a church service. I did not want to be at large gatherings of people. I didn't even want to drive because I was so scared of having a panic attack that I would have a panic attack, if that makes any sense at all. Or I was so scared that my anxiety would get out of the, out of control when I'm driving. And at this point, I had a toddler. So I was so scared that my anxiety would get out of control while I was driving that I wouldn't be able to like keep it together or hold it together in front of Lael, my oldest daughter, who at that point was like not even two. And I was like, what am I going to do if I spiral out of control and I need to put my head between my legs and I'm having all these anxious thoughts because even driving at that point would cause me to think about, oh my goodness, like people get in wrecks every day and die, (laughs) you know, just crazy. Your anxiety, I think I've talked about this before, when something causes you to be anxious, if it doesn't get under control, if you don't get it under control at that first thought, it can literally spiral into a million areas of your life. And I know I've given that example because I've talked about how like one thing spirals into you thinking about a million other things that have nothing to do with that. And so that's kind of what was, or that is really what was happening to me at this point. But this was the lowest point I've ever had. And it was like months of this, months and months, possibly even over a year where this was like my daily reality. And I finally was just like, I remember Vaughn had been praying for me, bless his little heart. I'm going to have Vaughn on soon because we've been talking about how everyone really needs to hear from someone who's close to someone who dealt with extreme anxiety and who still deals with anxiousness and panic sometimes. Um, Like we really need to interview him so that you can get an idea of like, if you haven't interviewed the people that have been taking care of you or helping you through this or are trying to help you through this, it's really interesting to hear from their point of view how they see what you're going through. So I'm definitely going to have him on maybe even the next episode so that we can really just like understand the people that are trying to help us in life um, and not push them away because that's the worst thing we can do. But I remember he was praying for me and just like, you know, he kept encouraging me, spend time with God, pray, read your Bible. And at this point, I was kind of like, that stuff is not working. (laughs) If I'm honest, I was just like, I'm praying and I'm asking God to take this away and he's not taking it away. So apparently he wants me to be anxious. And mom's like, okay, that's not right. I'm like, well, at this point, I don't know what's right because I'm spiraling. And we and we do that. And you may even be doing that right now. Like I said, with COVID-19, that Rona, I can't ever not say that. I'm literally going to say it every time. Rona. But anyways, um, it makes her sound cool. It makes it sound like a cool person. Like, Rona, you know, but it's not at all. So ignore me and my childish ways. Okay, getting back to the point. The point is, I didn't know if God's word could even help me anymore or if prayer was even helping me. And I recently read a book. I have quoted it before and I'm going to quote it again. I finished it finally. It's called Prayer. It is like the best book I've ever read about prayer. Go to my Instagram. I've screenshotted it, I think. Um, so you can see the author because his name is leaving me right this second. He's really famous. He's a famous author, writer, person, but Philip, Philip Yancey, that's his name. Get this book, y'all. Oh my goodness. It will wreck you as far as your prayer life. But he talks about how like so much percentage of the time our answers to our answers to our prayers are not what we expect them to be or what we want them to be. And at this time of my low anxiety period, 
I did not feel like the answer was what I wanted at all. I wanted God to make me not anxious anymore. I wanted him to make my heart palpitation stop. I wanted him to make everything go away, right? And I wanted him to basically get in my brain and make me think differently. God doesn't usually operate like that. And I'll be honest with you, most Christians probably have an issue with me even saying that because we want God to do like the magical miracles all the time, like 24-7. And he just doesn't. I mean, if you're honest and you look back at your life, like as I've prayed for so many miracles and have not seen them transpire in a magical, miraculous moment. But I have seen healing take place over time. I've seen myself come out of anxiety and panic disorders and even depression over time, allowing God to work on me and help me to see things differently. So instead of taking it away, sometimes he allows us to grow in whatever it is that we need to grow in, and it, and it gives us breakthrough. Now, I am not saying that people who have cancer need a time to grow and mature so that they can come out of cancer. Please don't like hear my words wrong. I'm talking about other instances. I believe that God wants everyone healed of physical things. Why it doesn't happen all the time, I don't know. I'm not going to tell you. And that book, Prayer, doesn't answer that question either. So if you're looking for the answer to that question, it, no one has it. But I do know that God can use anything terrible to mature us into being more Christ-like. And that's exactly what he did with this verse. When, when this verse says, teach us to realize the brevity of life, I remember praying that, and I just prayed it the other day again when I was rereading it. Teach me to see how short this life is because I cannot continue to live in this anxious, panic-ridden state of mind because I'm going to miss this short little life that I have. If I think about that huge piece of rope that my youth pastor pulled out and that inch of it was my life on earth and the rest of it was eternity, that little inch, that little part of my life that's here on earth is literally going by me so fast. My kids are growing up fast. Relationships are changing and moving. Things are happening that are beautiful and artistic and creative and amazing. And if I can't enjoy it, then I'm missing out on this like God-given right to be on earth at this moment. And to me, one of the most beautiful things about life is that you're never going to get any of it back. Like, it's right now, and then that's it. You can think about the past, but you can never relive it, right? So like when we read about history, sometimes I'm like a weird history person. Um, Vaughn probably makes fun of me more than anybody because he's not like a big school person, but I'm a homeschool mom. I love history. And sometimes when I'm reading history, I'm like, oh, what it would have been like to be alive when this happened or, you know, when that happened. But I can't. I will never be able to live that moment. Only the people who were there at that moment in time got to see it and hear it and feel it, right? That is the brevity of life. That is the beauty of it. And also like the sacredness of life is you're never going to get today again. You're never going to get this generation, this time you know, no one's ever going to live through what you exactly lived through. Again, no one can go back to the moments of your life that were the most beautiful and most exciting. You have to live it then. And I realized, like, because of my anxiety, because of my my hypochondria and my panic, I literally was keeping myself from experiencing what God had for me right then. And that right there 
was enough to make me face my dark demon head on. And I am not going to tell you that it is the easiest thing in the world to face this demon of anxiety and panic and hypochondria and whatever your level of anxiety is. But I do feel like from my experience, you do have to face it head on. And you have to have something inside of you that is grounding you to the point of you're not willing to continue the way that you've been doing it, if that makes any sense. You're not willing to live another day letting your anxiety dictate what you're going to do or what you're not going to do or what you can enjoy or what you can't enjoy. I had a one-year-old. She was never going to be one again. I had all these friends in my life. We, We were just getting into like friendships and new relationships when we moved to Atlanta. And I had all these things that were super exciting and new and fresh and I knew that they were gifts from God, but I was hiding from them because I was so scared of my own anxiety and I was so scared of what could happen or what might happen that I couldn't understand that it was fleeting, that it was flying by me and I was never going to get it back. And I'm sure there are so many things that I missed out on experiencing and enjoying so many beautiful things because I was so stuck in my mind. And so I literally, and I've said this before, I literally just started getting up every day and saying, this day was made by God, given to me as a gift. This moment is a moment in history I will never get back again. And two weeks ago when I read this, it it so reminded me of the fact that like, it is just so short. And And we hear it all the time. We hear that like, you know, enjoy today, you know, enjoy this season, enjoy where you are right now because you're never going to get it back. Like even people who have small kids, you know, like old people will come up to you and say, enjoy them while they're small. Don't blink your eyes, you know, and you're thinking if this kid disobeys me one more time, I'm going to cut his head off. He's not even going to make it until he's 18 years old, right? Like when there are these little toddlers that are pulling on you all day or when you're in a season that even if you're not a mom or a dad, if you are a student and you feel like, oh my goodness, if I could just flip in graduate high school, or if I could just flip in graduate college and get it over with, then, you know, the next best thing, right? But we, what we do is we don't really take life as a sacred thing that it is and enjoy it. And anxiety is like one of the biggest joy crushers, life crushers. It, it is the thing that isolates us and If you are experiencing tons of anxiety right now, maybe for the first time, like I've talked about before, corona can cause anxiety for the first time because it is in itself a very scary thing. And I think more scary than anything is the isolation, the not knowing what's coming next for our country, for our world. It's just weird. And if you're experiencing high levels of anxiety and you're scared to, you know, start enjoying life again, if you're scared to enjoy the time you have, whether you're at home or whether you're starting to venture out again, know that this life is so short. I mean, you could literally wake up tomorrow and it all be gone. And not to say that eternity is not something to look forward to. It absolutely is. But this life is also a gift from God. This time that we have on earth with each other, with the certain people that are around you, with your children, with your spouse, with your friends, this is a special time. And 
God doesn't want you to miss out on what's happening right now because you're so stuck in your own mind with this anxiety and panic. We have to remember that life is so short. And that's honestly how I got breakthrough. What I, I just kept literally facing it head on. And I felt like I was going to pass out a million times. I felt like my heart was going to beat out of my chest a million times. I felt like I wasn't going to be able to do it, to go through with it. But the more I did it, the less panic attacks happened, the less anxiety happened because I started to defeat it. And that's what I want to encourage you to do because we're about to go into a time, I mean, I know it's going to be slow paced. Our country, our world is not going to operate. It may never operate as what we used to know. A lot of people have this new phrase like, you know, there is, there's a new normal. There's new, there's just a newness to what's happening. There's not going to be whatever was. And I think we could be very, um, what's the word? We could be very cautious to the point of missing out. And I'm not, I'm not encouraging you to go do something stupid. Please hear me out. But I am saying, even if you decide, okay, the parks are open, but I'm still not going, still don't let your anxiety rule that day. If you decide to stay home, if you decide that, you know, for your family, for your fr friends, like, I'm going to keep staying home as long as I feel like I need to, that's fine. But don't let anxiety and fear keep you in that bubble all day where you can't even enjoy your time at home or with what's in front of you. And the way anxiety does that is it basically tricks you into thinking that if you go do something, you have all of these chances of all of these million things going wrong, right? So it's fear. And I'm going to do, I want to do a whole podcast episode on is anxiety a spiritual thing? It's probably going to be a little bit of a what's a controversial episode because some people think that anxiety is very medical and some people think it's very spiritual. But I will tell you, I think it's a combination of both and I'll lay that out in an episode. But medical, spiritual, whatever, I do believe that fear has some power in it. And I feel like the spirit of fear is broken when we don't allow ourselves to get caught up in the fear and allow fear to dictate our decisions and what we will and will not enjoy. I'm reading right now um, a book by C.S. Lewis called The Weight of Glory. And in it, he talks about how he's in the middle of World War II, I think it is. And people are saying to him, like, you know, we're in the middle of a war. There's all this craziness going on. People are dying. Why are you still at a university? Why, why does education even matter? Why does, you know, beautiful, why does poetry even matter? Why does art even matter? Like none of this matters. Nothing matters except the war that's going on. And his response to that is so eloquent. I would never be able to regurgitate it to you. But in my own words, his response to that is, there's a war going on 24-7 for your soul, for the souls of this world. Between heaven and hell, there is a constant war going on. And if all we did was focus on that, we would never, we would never enjoy what God has given us. We would never be able to experience the gifts of God because we would be so caught up in that. And if all you can think about is the war that's going on between you and anxiety or between heaven and hell and souls or the war, that's, the COVID-19 thing, if all you can focus on is one negative thing that's happening, you also run the risk of getting burned out to the point where 
You start giving in to temptations and indulgences that are bad for you. I've heard so many people talk about, you know, I'm so, I'm so anxious, I can't stop eating, or I'm so anxious, I can't, um, you know, I, all I'm doing is binge watching the latest thing on Netflix. I have been binge watched some things on Netflix. I'm going to tell you, I'm not saying that's wrong. But if that's all you've done in the last 14 days, you probably need to get on top of your anxiety. You probably need a little shift in your mindset to say, okay, a day of binging Netflix might not be so bad for my psyche, but 14 straight days might really be doing something to my spirit. I need to spend time with God, first of all. I need to connect with people and I need to enjoy the beautiful life that I've been given. We all do because it's so short, the brevity of life. Teach us, God. Teach us the brevity of life to understand that so that we can grow in wisdom. And what does wisdom look like with this whole anxiety analogy? It looks like saying, you know what? I am going to point out that this is anxiety. I'm realizing it. I'm wise enough to say, this is not how God intended for me to live. And so in wisdom, I'm going to start making choices that say no to fear, no to anxiety, and remember that my life is too short for this. My, my little life is too short to be sitting around being anxious about whether or not I'm good enough, whether or not I can do it, whether or not I'm going to have a panic attack when I go to that event or when I get in the car, whatever it may be for you, whatever that circumstance is, remember that you're going to be so much better off and so much happier if you face it head on and don't allow it to keep you in your anxiety bubble, but break out and enjoy this little life that you've been given. That's what I'm trying to do right now. I'm trying to see the beauty in every single day. I want to consume as much on th- as much beauty on this side of earth as I want to get in touch with on the other side of heaven. Like, I don't want to just wait for heaven to for everything to be amazing and for everything to be beautiful. I want to experience as much of it here on this earth as God will allow. And I want that for you. I never want to take away from the fact that anxiety is a big deal and that it can be crippling. But I will say that we we are the reason that it that it can be so crippling. We can choose different things. And you may or may not agree with that. You may think I can't choose to get out of anxiety, but you can choose to make decisions that will grow you as a person and grow you into a better place with your anxiety. You may never get it fully under control, but you can make strides to getting out of it and enjoying this life that you've been given. So I hope that all makes sense. Thank you guys so much for listening to my heart on this. I am literally like, I'm taking this all in for myself because I want to be, I want to be more aware of what God has given me, not what I don't have because of anxiety. I don't want to be more aware of my problems than I am of the gifts that I have from a good father who just wants to love on me and help me through this and also just give such beautiful and wonderful gifts to us. And if you have any questions about like what I'm saying or, you know, more details about how I've been overcoming anxiety, please message me on Instagram. I'm Cassie Russell, and I'd love to just talk to you personally about 
where you are and, you know, pray with you because I do believe in the power of prayer and I do believe that we can overcome this thing together. Thanks for listening to the Jesus, Me, and Anxiety podcast. I would love to hear from you. So if you'd like to share your journey with me, email Anxiety at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at Cassie Russell. This podcast was produced by Phoenix Creative, which happens to be my amazing husband's company. So check it out at myphoenixcreative.com.